0: Hey. What happened? Oh, you can hear me now? Yeah. Oh, thank God. You're listening to the Astrophotography Podcast. Capture the night sky. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Astrophotography Podcast. My name is Trevor Jones from AstroBackyard.com, and with me, as always, is...
1: Steve Malia from Ontario Telescope and Accessories. How are you, everyone? Welcome back. I guess welcome back to us, too. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, it, well, the weather's been good on the right nights, and uh, it's been busy. It has. There has been a few
0: good nights in there, in, even around New Moon, so... Uh, yeah. i I been mean, a few thunderstorms mixed in between, but, you know, I'm not going to complain.
1: No, no, it's been it's been okay. So, Trevor, you sound sound tired. Is it allergies or is it something else?
0: It, well, it is allergies, but, but no. it's also <laughs> the fact that uh, that Canada's only NBA basketball team won the NBA championship last night, and it was uh, it was a late one. The game didn't start till nine, and uh, I know you were up as well because it was pretty exciting to see that.
1: Oh yeah, I wasn't going to miss that um, game five in Oakland Raptors versus the Warriors.
0: It was game six.
1: So it's a game six?
0: Yep. We lost game five. We, we could have won game, game five. five but we didn't.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. I got that confused. Game six. And uh, they played a class, and they played hard, and both both teams did. Both teams really wanted it. And uh, it came down to the end, and the last 10 seconds took about 15 minutes to finish. <laughs> but it was good. Yeah. Go Raptors. Congratulations. And uh, uh, hopefully our That's- listenership doesn't drop off in Oakland. <laughs>
0: no, what? We won't talk about sports on this cha- on this uh, podcast much, but when uh, the, the Raptors win the championship, we'll mention something. We have to.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a while—24 years. Um, Trevor, off You were saying you used to go to the games early on. I used to go as well, back into Skydome. That was pretty cool and uh, yeah. uh, good memories. And and yeah, congratulations. So yeah. Anyways, we'll. Uh, let's let's get back to the topic at hand astrophotography so as you might have heard um we've changed the name to the astrophotography podcast and you know it has a nice name to it nice ring to it (laughs) and uh, we'll talk about all things astrophotography still Uh, nothing's really going to change um just the name so you know lots lots going on good time of year um Galaxy season is coming to an end, kinda, and uh, now all the nice targets that that I like to image are coming out. Um, The Milky Way, yeah, Ah. the Milky Way starting to rise. Uh, The nebula is there. Uh, It's the time of year to get excited and dust off that equipment and the narrow band filters and see what you can do. And what are you working on right now, Trevor? What what what's your Uh, Projects you got going on?
0: There's two constellations where I'm really focusing all my time on, and that's Cygnus and Sagittarius. So what I've been doing recently, just because of the, uh, it is a bit early into Milky Way season because like Sagittarius doesn't realistically get high enough to shoot until about like 1 a.m. So I've been spending. I I usually spend about an hour or two in Cygnus because there's lots of nebulae in there. And then I hop over to Sagittarius after that to get onto the Lagoon Nebula. So the two targets I've been shooting are the Butterfly Nebula and Cygnus, which is basically the Seder region. And then uh, I'm, I've been hopping on the Lagoon Nebula when it's late enough in Sagittarius from the backyard.
1: I did I did some wide field stuff last year of uh, Cygnus and really, really enjoyed it. I'm going to spend some more time on that this year. Now that I I have a modified DSLR, so it'll be a little easier to capture a lot of that really deep hydrogen alpha type signal. Yeah, there's a,
0: there's a heck of a lot of it in in Cygnus.
1: Yeah, uh, especially the, around the Seder region, like you were saying, that because that that's, yeah. right, if you have a modified camera, that's where things are really going to pop. Mm-hmm. So I, you know that's my project for the year in the uh for the lagoon what what equipment are you using
0: so for the lagoon i've been uh, i've been using a, a dual band pass narrow band filter uh most recently the uh the optolong l enhance oh yeah uh some of some of the uh listeners may remember that i i use the stc astro dual narrow band a lot um very comparable this optolong version and basically it's just for for guys in my my position, shooting with a color camera, these uh, these nebulae that are rich in hydrogen and oxygen gas, you can really get the most bang for your buck with these dual bandpass narrowband filters, because uh, it almost feels like you're cheating. Like it's just so much easier to process the file. It really isolates the uh, the nebulae from a background sky, no matter how bright it is here in the backyard.
1: So you don't have to worry about light pollution as much, or what. No, like the I'm moon shooting, is out because it, it, you're bringing in that narrow band data.
0: That's right. Yeah, it's very isolated. So, yeah, shooting during the full moon. And, uh, yeah, as for telescope, uh, a lot of this stuff is quite large. So it's been the Esprit 100 at that 550 millimeter focal length uh, is just nice and wide. I've got it's that setup is all put together so nicely, too. It's so reliable. I've got the uh, your the uh, the guide scope I got from you, the Starfield 60 millimeter on there. Yep. Uh, and the ASI 290 Mini, I mean, it's just such a real, like, such a reliable system that I end up using it. And it's not super huge either, so I can pull it out of the, the garage and use it night in, night out.
1: Yeah. I, I just switched to the 290 Mini for my guide scope, and I noticed uh, a huge difference in how sensitive it is uh, to pick up guide stars. And, it's
0: a great camera.
1: Yeah. Um, one of the things I found really good about it is I do a lot of my polar alignment using SharpCap. Okay. And it found stars a lot easier without having to really crank up the gain or increase the exposure time. So It's it so made, sensitive, eh? Yeah, it's very sensitive. So it made the actual polar alignment a faster process. Nice. Um, so I really, really enjoyed seeing that difference with it, with that with that sensor. Uh, I've been doing some narrowband stuff myself from my backyard. I've been working on NGC 6888, again, the Crescent. Uh last year i did it at a at a high focal length this year i'm doing it at a bit of a wider focal length sorry shorter focal length at a wider view yeah just to uh and i have a different scope now so i want to kind of compare The the okay so
0: for for that crescent nebula i know you're you're going to try and reveal the that shell right yeah around the hydrogen because i've never been able to to do it justice i've seen like i get hints of it in my photos but uh Nothing like some of the images I've seen on Astrobin. Are you, are you really you know you know work for that?
1: I'm gonna try. <laughs> <laughs> you Can always try. So so you know I, I did a I did a lot of hydrogen alpha and I, the hydrogen alpha is easy if you if you want to call it that because yeah. it, it's there and it's very it's pronounced. Um, yeah. So you know I, I've got two and a half hours worth of data with that. Uh, I know some people that have done you know close to five hours. Uh, I might add some more i I don't know right um uh o three I've been having some trouble with o three because every time I go to shoot it something happens like gets cloudy or the weather doesn't cooperate in some other terms and it
0: so the the astrophotography gods just don't want you to shoot no three
1: no It doesn't <laughs> look like it so sometimes that happens yeah but that o three um because I'm doing it in bicolor uh you get that nice it it'll be a nice uh, complement to the to the hydrogen alpha. It, that's what kind of I think brings in that detail. Yeah, it, right? gives it depth. Yeah, but I'm doing it in in bicolor. I'm not going to bother with S two. I, I don't well, why not. I don't think there's a lot of S two data there. I could be wrong. I just you know I, from my location, I don't think it's going to work out very well. Um, I find S two to be a very very weak signal to begin with if there's not a lot there your exposure times typically have to be longer
0: can i tell you my thoughts on s2 yes please <laughs> um so i'm i know that it's worthwhile to capture s2 data and i've seen i don't know if you watch Steve uh, chuck's astrophotography on youtube
1: no that he's all over facebook too that, that'd be cheating on you trevor
0: Oh, okay. So yeah, don't walk no, I'm just kidding. But he's great. No, he, and, I watched
1: uh, his stuff. And, and I watch a lot of his PixInsight Insight tutorials and they're they're yeah.
0: fantastic. So he's he's doing narrowband astrophotography right and his in, in, images are incredible. He's shooting from Detroit. Yep. So like it's very relatable for a lot of people shooting in the city and like his images are just like jaw dropping. Yep. So I see him shooting an S2 and getting great results. Myself, I spent Uh, I feel like I wasted uh, about three to four hours on a clear night uh, near New Moon, where I chose to shoot S2 on the cave nebula, and uh, after, you know, everything, great guiding, everything perfect clear night, I go look at the data, process it, there was nothing there. It was such a weak signal, so disappointing, where I feel like, man, it's going to be hard to convince myself to put that, that S2 filter in there on a clear night again.
1: So it, it is a weaker signal, right? It does bring out some of the finer details, I think. What you do need to be careful of, and I don't think this was your case, Trevor, um, but if you are going to be doing S2, you shouldn't need to use a light pollution filter. Actually, I, I, I'm i of the belief that for any narrowband filtering type, narrowband filter imaging, that, that sounds better, you shouldn't yep. be doing anything with a uh, light pollution filter in front of it. I know some people do. Uh, Even though technically, like on a hydrogen alpha and the O3, it should come through. It's still another substrate of glass that has to go through and you're weakening your signal. But especially on S2, because it's so close to the IR region, the IR signal, you could be clipping it out. So yeah, that, it's
0: right at the end, eh? Past each H- alpha, bordering on the near infrared.
1: Yeah. So if if you have a, a an IR filter that that's pretty aggressive, right, and, and really takes it to that near IR, you could be really clipping it out and effectively shooting darks unknowingly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, there's the glass half full. Those so, are still there you busy. go. Yeah.
1: So hey, you got darks, right? But. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, my experience with S two hasn't been that great. So, you know, I, I've seen some great results with just uh, O3 and Hygen Alpha for the Crescent. Um, that's what I did last year. I was really, really happy with it. You know, it, it, it impressed the guys at the bar. <laughs> that's <laughs> what it's all about. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, so that, that's my project. And then uh, I got a new camera too, which I'm, I'm still playing with. Um. A complete departure this is a ccd it's not cmos so it it's uh imaging with it's completely different i've noticed you're not doing right like two you mentioned now. that and that yeah. was,
0: that's a surprise to me i thought you know cmos ccd uh it's a dedicated astronomy camera i thought that the experience would be you know very similar but you're saying that's not true
1: no i, I, I that's my experience anyways and my exposure time has to be a lot longer so you know five six minutes minimum uh ten minutes preferable, so you have to make sure like your polar alignment is really good, your guiding is on on point mm-hmm. and if you got those two things down pat, then you know doing a ten minute exposure really shouldn't be a problem. Your biggest risk, I would think is you know having a plane fly by mm-hmm. right but you can take care of that in uh in processing with different uh stacking techniques right yeah so you know that, that's pretty cool it's a mono camera it's a Starlight Express Trius, uh nine sixty four Pro, uh, so it, it it's a six megapixel camera, so big pixels,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and yeah, I, I just, you know I can't wait to really get it get it going. Uh, right now I've been using the ZWO sixteen hundred, but I'm going to uh, I'm going to swap that out after I get the Cygnus project, not Cygnus, sorry, Crescent project completed in Cygnus in Cygnus, yes, and i in... something else. Yeah, I'll think um, I'm going to do and, the
0: wizard. Oh, the wizard, wizard's nice. Actually, uh, speaking of the, of the wizard, it, Cepheus is a, you know what, like, it's such a sleeper constellation for objects. There's a, there's a lot of great targets in there. Yes. And it's funny because I, I lived in the old house, the old backyard from for three years, and I really didn't have a great north view to the north. So I never really spent time in Cepheus other than when it swung way up in the fall. But now I've got a real big window to the north, so like Cepheus is right there all night long because it's uh it's a lot of those objects are circumpolar and we can, you know, image them almost like all year long. Yep. And uh like the Cave Nebula, the Wizard, the Rose uh, not the Rosette, the um Elephant's Trunk. Yep. There's a lot of great targets in there, so depending on you know the obstructions in your backyard and where you are, um, Cepheus has just got a ton going on.
1: Well, it, it's like uh, Cassiopeia.
0: Same thing, Same exactly.
1: Product. You can you can image that. Uh, yeah, it's right next to it. Uh, quite a bit. There's a lot of good good objects in Cassiopeia as well. Um, For
0: sure. Yeah, I guess, like, my point is, a lot of these targets that I consider to be, uh, you know, September, October targets, like uh, the heart and soul and stuff, man, if you stay up late enough and you've got a a view to the north, you can start shooting those, like, this month.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: So. And and what about lunar photography? I know you you shared a picture of the moon recently, Steve, and it's not something I've done a whole lot. Do you have any, like, input on, on, like, your experience there?
1: Yeah, so it's extremely hard. And... (laughs) And uh, you'll pull your hair out. No, I, I'm kidding. You know, I, I, the other night I was I was in my uh, pod and waiting for the Crescent to uh, come up high enough for me because it was behind a house.
0: You were just sitting there looking at your watch?
1: Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I don't wear a watch. I look at my phone. Oh, okay. Come on, like like all the cool kids do. Oh, and you're um, on Facebook. Yeah, that too. And, uh... <laughs> um, yeah, so the moon was there, and I, I said, "Hey, why not? Let's give it a shot." So I, I pointed my my scope to the to the moon, and I brought up uh, a sharp cap, and I was in focus, um, and I just played with my exposures a bit. If if like even a like a one second exposure was overexposed, because the moon is so bright. Oh heck yeah! So just a like. Uh, Like a big round ball, although it was only 65%, so it wasn't a complete ball, but you get the idea. And then, uh, so I I brought my exposure down to a point where I can, you know, you can see detail. And Mm -hmm. uh, I just let it go. And I I set it for 1,500 frames. I think it was like 0.85 seconds. Right. And uh, away it went.
0: So there's a talk about a huge difference just right off the bat as opposed to deep sky imaging. Instead of shooting long, it's you're shooting very, very short.
1: Yes, so so it went, and I had this 42 gigabyte movie. It was an, <laughs> an SCR file, and SCR. Yeah, by default, I, I'm not. I don't know much about the format, but by default, uh, SharpCap saves in SCR. But what I do know about SCR is that it's not a compressed file. Like there's some people that will re- record it in AVI. Right, right. AVI is a compressed file. Sure. So you're gonna lose something.
0: Yep. You never want to do that.
1: All right. So I have this 45 gig file and 42 gig file, and I had it on a USB, and I brought it onto my computer, and it brought it down to a crawl while it it processed it. And that
0: is a monster. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it, it it was oh yeah. You know, my, my computer's overclocked. I got liquid cooling on it, the heat off of it was crazy and my fans It was probably coming pretty loud. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The nuclear power plant is putting on the reserve. <laughs> the lights um, are dimming. Lights are dimming. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> neighbors clocks <laughs> are flashing twelve o'clock now in the morning. Um, anyways. Uh there's a couple ways to do it. There's two really popular programs out there. One's Registax. Little long in a tooth, it's old, but it works really well. There's another one, Astro Stackert, I believe it's called. Uh, uh, I thought it was
0: Auto Stackert.
1: Auto Stackert, yeah, you're probably right. I haven't used that, so I don't know anything about it, but I remember watching uh, a video. This is before I knew you, Trevor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Watched a video on YouTube on how to process a lunar image, so it's kind of going my memory. And I took, a, I took a planetary course a couple of years ago. Um, but with Registax, basically, it, it's really simple where it kind of you just click on the highlighted green button,
0: so mm-hmm. you just
1: kind of follow. It's like four buttons in total. Oh yes, do, I've right? went
0: through this before on uh, like a planetary image of Jupiter.
1: Yes, very similar to that. So it'll take all your take the SCR file. Uh, you can tell or take the best eighty percent of what you find. It takes that. It figures all all the alignment points, stacks it. It kind of looks okay. And then the last thing's called wavelets. <laughs> and you, and magical have, wavelets. Yeah, you just make some adjustments. And, you know, I know there's a way of doing it uh, to kind of figure out what it should be, but I just kind of went by what looked good to me. And I was really happy with the result. That t-
0: Talk about a fun stage of the process when you're into the wavelets and you're just seeing this sharp, yeah. amazingly yeah. sharp image from your. Your you know potentially blurry shaky video.
1: Yeah, you just have to be careful because that um, if you go too far in the wavelets and it look it looks too sharp. It's, yeah,
0: right? the over sharpening is not good. Yeah, I I remember going through a, a, a shot oh. of video just with a point and shoot camera of Jupiter uh, through my manual DOB and going through the process in regist stacks and getting to the wavelets and sharpening it up and then uh, Ashley came in I was like Ash, you got to see this picture of Jupiter. She's like, You took that? I'm like, I guess. Like, I didn't know it was going to turn out that good from this. I don't know how it magically turned this blurry video into this crisp image of Jupiter, but that's the power of, you know, select lucky imaging yep. and selecting the best, you know, 500 frames out of, you know, 10,000. Yep. Pretty, pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I was quite happy with it. I threw it up on uh, Astrobin and, uh, um, you know, pretty proud of that. that it's shot. a
0: really great photo, man. I, uh, imp- I've never shot a a photo of the moon so so detailed as that before. It was really yeah. nice.
1: You know, you know what's really cool about that kind of imaging too is the setup doesn't have to be very um, robust. No. Right, like you're not guiding.
0: Yeah, it's funny. You take that away, you take long exposures out of the uh, equation, and yep, it removes robust. a lot of the uh, yep. stuff needed.
1: And and technically, because it was only you know, a few minutes of, of imaging, you could do it on an alt as mount.
0: Totally. Yeah. You don't have to be polar aligned properly. You don't have, like, no. there's a lot of things when you're, when you're shooting that fast.
1: Yep. So yep. it it could do a lot of, uh, do a lot of fun things with it. So I, I, was, cool. I I'm was i glad that that night wasn't uh, a loss because after I did the moon, I, I went over to the Crescent again and it didn't work out. So the clouds came in. So,
0: but you got you didn't go home empty handed.
1: No. But uh yeah, so anyways, um, you know, that's the uh that that's us back again.
0: <laughs> we're back.
1: Yeah, we're back. We're
0: back and the Raptors are champions and we're in a good mood.
1: Yep. So uh Yeah. What can you say?
0: I don't I don't I think that's it.
1: Yeah. Hey, hey, uh Trevor. Here it comes. Here it comes. What? Where, where does an astronaut dock its spaceship? Where? At the parking meteor. That's <laughs> terrible. Oh man! Remember his father's here this weekend. If we get it up before the weekend is out, um, and forgive all, you, forgive all the fathers here for the awesome jokes that they uh, that they do put out.
0: Hey, you know what? Father's Day sounds like a great excuse for uh, some of the, some of our listeners to get some new gear, right?
1: Yep,
0: it could be your Father's Day gift. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm I'm looking for some new gear for new Father's Day gifts. Uh, I'm going to be checking Facebook to see what everybody got because there's a lot of uh, fathers out there. Oh, I, th- I thought
1: you were about to announce something.
0: No. <laughs> did it sound like I was going that direction? It wow. did. It really, really no. did no not yet
1: after she's gonna get all these congratulations all of a sudden like what, 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 yeah she's gonna be like minute.
0: what did you talk about in the last podcast
1: uh yeah she's on that like, note next time she sees me I'm gonna get dagger eyes I can see it <laughs> on that note on so that note clear skies everyone thanks again for listening
0: clear skies everybody